Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. Let's put our hands together and welcome everyone who's joining us live online right now. Thank you so much for joining us. We do appreciate you. John 15 is one of my most favorite passages. This, just to set this up, I mean, these are the moments before Jesus is going to be arrested and crucified. And so when you begin to read chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, those moments in the book of John, you're going to see some powerful things happening. And so Jesus, he's meeting with his disciples. And in John 15, the first verse, he says, I am the true vine. Somebody say the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That means he lifts it up. He finds the branch that's struggling on the ground and he lifts it up so that it can receive nutrition from the sun, so that it can receive what it needs, so that it can bear fruit. How many of you understand that God desires for you to be fruitful and productive? He created you for that. In the very beginning, when he created Adam and Eve, he blessed them and he said, now I want you to be fruitful. I want you to be productive. Whatever God has assigned you to in life, he has designed you to prosper there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God gets no joy out of you having nothing. God gets no joy out of you being Nothing. So wherever you find yourself, the Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might and all of your strength. If you're going to be a dog trainer, be the best dog trainer. Are you following me? If you're going to do concrete floors, be the best to the glory of God. Not that you're all that in a bag of potato chest, but it is Christ in you. Amen. And, and you know, through your success gives you an opportunity to share the goodness of God with others, to share your story. Think about, Bob, where you've come from in life. It's not because you are phenomenal. You know that. I've had conversations with you. (laughs) I'm being real though, right? You know that everything that you have accomplished in life is because the hand of God was on you. If you want to see the hand of God be on your life and walk in his favor and the abundant life that he's made available, you have to take hold of these verses that we are going through today. It is the secret to abundant living that Jesus is revealing to us. He says, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. And every, uh, every branch in me that does bear fruit, what does he do? He prunes it. He cuts it back. Why does he do that? So that you can bear more fruit. Verse three, already you are clean because of the word, the word, the word. Somebody say the word. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Are you getting this? He says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. I'm the source. You're the branch. 
Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Not just fruit, much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified. You want to see how God receives glory? By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. God receives glory when you produce in the area he has called you to produce in. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you feel free to write in your Bible, you should underline that. Abide in his love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy, think about this. Jesus is saying, I'm telling you this, Paul, so that my joy can be in you and that your joy may be full. Praise God, amen. I don't want to live in pockets of joy. I want to live in the fullness of joy. And that fullness of joy comes through my connection to him. Turn to the person next to you and say, where you are matters. Now turn to the person on your other side who's your second choice and say, where you are really matters. <laughs> Yesterday I was uh, with my daughter and her friend and we were outside and they wanted to play some basketball. And I thought, hey, you know what? It's been a while since I've shot some hoops. So let's play horse. And I thought, you know what? I may not have the endurance for the game of horse. Let's play pig. <laughs> and so we get out there. We're shooting basketball. My daughter, she's 11 years old. Her friend is 11 years old. And they beat me at pig. I am not very good at basketball. As a matter of fact, when I'm on a basketball court, I'm like a fish out of water. Now, if you put a bass guitar in my hand and I get on a stage, that, that's when I'll thrive. That's when you'll see what I'm all about. But you put me on a basketball court, you'll think, this, this guy has lost his mind. Like, he needs to just go home. But what you, what you need to see in this is you'll never see the fullness of a thing until that thing is put in its proper place. I was thinking about a selfish this week. You know, some say that the selfish is the fastest fish in the ocean. But if, you, if I could just erase your mind of what you know about fish and just imagine you don't even know what a selfish is, you've never heard about it, and I took that selfish 
and placed it on land and started talking about how fast it is, you would think I've lost my mind. Because that fish would just be flopping. You'd be like, that's crazy. A turtle could beat that fish. But it's because it's not in its proper environment. But once you put that selfish in the ocean, then you see the potential of the fish. Your environment matters because your environment will reveal your potential. Your environment will reveal who you are. You know, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, before he created a creature, he designed the environment. So before he created the fish, he created the water for the fish to thrive in. Before he created the bird, he created the environment for it to soar in. Before he created the cattle, he created the field for the cattle to roam in and graze in and live in. He did the same thing for you and I. And the environment that he designed is not just oxygen and earth. The environment that he designed for you and I to live in is his presence. That is where we thrive. That is where our potential is fully seen. It's like the selfish in the ocean. As we come into contact with his presence and we abide there, remain there, dwell there, that is where we are fully seen and fully known and fully revealed. Because apart from him, you malfunction. Like the fish. Apart from him, you malfunction. Apart from him, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Think about that. You can do nothing. Do you want to know why some people within a religious system get frustrated? It's because they're trying to live by a certain set of rules that they cannot live by on their own. They are trying to produce the fruit of the Spirit apart from the power of the Spirit, and it will never work because you'll see how flawed you are. This, some, of, some of you need to really hear this right now because you've come into Christ, and now you think that you've got to live to a certain level. And I've got to project this image of what I think it looks like to be a Christian, and I'm trying to do it on my own, and I'm going to fail, and I'm going to get frustrated, but I've still got to let you see the image that I think you need to see. And then I get more frustrated, and finally something's going to happen called burnout. And that's why you'll see, it's like a pendulum. You'll see people who are so hot and heavy for Christ, and then the next time you see them, they're like over here. Burned out, strung out, gone back to the same things they were doing before they knew Christ. You know why? Because they were trying to live here apart from the Spirit. The best way for you to live is this. I am connected to the vine. I don't have everything all together yet. I'm flawed. I still make mistakes, but I'm connected to the vine. And as I stay connected to the vine, that's when life starts flowing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He is the source. So as I'm connected to the source, I get the source of what I need. That's why Jesus is laying so heavily on this word abide in John 15. He's trying to paint a picture to us. He's trying to say, you can't make it on your own. 
Apart from me, you are nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the source of life. I am the source of joy. I am the source of strength. It's like a television. Most of you probably have a television in your home, unless you come from that old line Pentecostal movement where you got to hide it in your closet because it's the television. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you Baptists got way more freedom than the Pentecostals did back in the day. But the television, you understand that the television in and of itself has no power to show you anything. The reason you can see something on the screen right now is because it is connected to a source. The reason you can watch a movie or watch something on demand or watch a basketball game at home on your television is because it is connected to a source. And Jesus says, when you are connected to me and remain, somebody say, and remain. When you are connected and remain, that's when you begin to receive from me. And abiding is where transformation starts to happen. If you want to see transformation in your life, it comes from this place of abiding. If you know my story, all I've ever known is church. My father is a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. My great-grandfather was a pastor. My aunts, my uncles, my brothers, my cousins, we're all in the ministry. And I've seen mighty moves of God. I've seen outpourings of God in a way that it, when God moves, it completely wrecks the place. I've seen people jump. I've seen people dance. I've seen people shout. I've been in revival meetings that last a whole month where God is moving in a mighty and a powerful way. But what I have noticed is when the revival is over, when the Sunday service is over, everybody goes back to life as usual. It's because they're not connected. They've had an encounter with God, but they're, are, are you following this? They've had an encounter with God, but they have not learned to abide in God. It's very important to understand this. It's one thing to have an encounter with God, and it is completely different to abide with God so that the Sunday me becomes the Monday me, and the Sunday me becomes the Tuesday me. I'm constant because I'm connected. I'm not looking for pockets of the Spirit. I'm living in and dwelling in and moving in the Spirit, and that's where transformation happens, not just in an encounter. The encounter is an invitation for you to personally go deeper in Christ. See, the reason that you can come into a place like this on a Sunday morning and have an encounter with God is because the atmosphere has been prepared. There are people who have been praying. There are, there are people who have been preparing. There are people who are worshiping. And so you are stepping into an environment that it is very easy if you'll just open yourself up to have an encounter with God. The bad news is when you leave here, you leave what we've set up or what God has prepared. We're not preparing it. We're ushering it in through what he's prepared. Are you following what I'm saying? So that's why I've seen it over and over again. These people have this moment with God where it's like, I'm changed forever. I'm never going back. I'm never going back. 
I'm never going back to the way it was. <laughs> Monday happens. Now I'm coming back. Now I'm coming back. It's because they haven't learned how to abide. Are you following what I'm saying? Transformation happens in the place of abiding. Jesus says this. He says, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. So as you are connected to the vine and you remain connected to the vine, that's when the father goes to work on you. That's when the father, if he sees that you're not bearing fruit, he begins to lift you up so that you can get the nutrients. That's when, when God sees that you are bearing fruit, he begins to prune you or cut some things off from you so that you can bear more fruit. Are you following what I'm saying? It happens in the abiding because if you're not a part of the vine, then the vine dresser is not taking care of you. But when I am remaining there, that's when God begins to work on me. That's why I said, underline that that. Statement, abide in my love. Because as you abide in his love, that's where his love begins to transform you. We did something with the men. I'm glad we did it today because it goes perfectly with this sermon where we, we talked about the fact that we, we, told, we, we would tell the person, I, you're loved and accepted. And the person we say it to had to say, I am loved and I am accepted. And that's a powerful reminder of the fact that God loves us no matter where we are. So if we don't understand this, then what we think is I'm having to earn his love. So if I transform myself, then God will love me and accept me. If I'll stop doing this, then God will love me and accept me. And apart from him, you can do nothing. But if I'll learn that I'm not trying to earn his love, I've already received his love, I am already accepted by my father, and I'll just dwell there and appreciate his love and celebrate his love and worship him for his love, that's when transformation will begin to happen because he's the vine dresser. I don't know how many times I have to say this until people get it into their head. You can't change you. Frank, you can't change you. You want to know why? You're the problem with you. If you could fix you and save you, you would not need Jesus. But Jesus loved us enough to say, I see Frank. I see Bob. I see Russell, who's all kinds of jacked up. <laughs> I see Benny. I see Tiffany. I mean, put your name there. God saw you before you were even formed in your, your mom's womb, and he said, they are going to be helpless without me. So the love of God comes to this earth and does for you what you cannot do for yourself by dying on the cross paying the debt, raising to new life so that you can have new life based upon what he did, not based upon what you've accomplished. Now, here's the thing. That doesn't mean you stay where you are. Transformation should happen. Fruit should be seen in your life, but it happens from just remaining and abiding. One of the greatest tricks of the enemy is this. When you mess up, 
he hangs that over your head and says, this is why you're not good enough for God. And what he does is it's like, it's like covering up the sunshine that's shining on your branch. And you begin to wither and you begin to dry up and you begin to die because you're not receiving the nutrients that can only come from the sun. We have to get to this place where it's okay for me to not be okay. It's okay for me to have struggles. It's okay for me to be honest with the fact that I have temptations, that I have trials. It's got to be okay for me to say, you know what, sometimes I slip up. Sometimes I do the things that I know I should not do, but I'm a work in progress. I, I don't want to stay here. I, I, know this, I know that this lifestyle doesn't please God, but he loves me. And I'm going to remain in his love and I'm going to drown out the voice of the enemy that says you are hopeless and you are worthless. And I'm just going to abide in his love and I'm going to abide in his word. And I'm going to allow the vine dresser to do his work. One of the greatest ways to abide in him, other than our worship, which is necessary. If you're not worshiping throughout the week, you're going to dry up. You've got to worship during the week, and that's not just turning on a worship song. Listening to a worship song is great. I love that. But that's not worship. You've got to turn on that worship song, and you've got to begin to project your affection onto him. Worship's necessary for transformation. Thanksgiving, because those are the things that bring you into his presence. That's what brings you into that abiding place. So this thing is worship, thanksgiving, prayer, of course, communication with your father. All those things are important. All those things are necessary. But the word of God itself is paramount for your transformation. Jesus talks about abiding in his word and allowing his word to abide in you. See, the scriptures, the Bible is the only book that reads you as you read it. The book of Hebrews talks about how it's quicker and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's living. It's active. It's reading you. And that's a part of that pruning process to where as I begin to get the word of God in my life, it begins to reveal things to me. It begins to show me things that I need to submit to him so that he can work in that area of my life. But if I don't know his word, then I'm separating myself from his transforming power. If I'm not in his word, I'm separating myself from the power of even having a great prayer life. Because Jesus says it there, if you go back and read it, he says, if my word abides in you, you can have whatever you wish, whatever you ask. Why, why, is, that, why is that so? Because now I am praying according to the will of God. I'm praying what God has already said about me and my family and my church. I'm taking God's word to him and I'm saying, God, this is what you said about me and I want to receive this from you. And I'm worthy to receive it because you've called me worthy. You have to understand you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So abiding means that I remain and I surrender myself to the vine dresser and allow him to work on me. I love encounters. 
But encounters are not where transformation comes from. The encounter is the invitation for you to be transformed by your abiding. You can chase revival after revival and speaker after speaker. And you'll run on empty through the week until you can get back in and get your fix. And that's where the church has lived for way too long. They're just trying to get a fix. You don't need a fix. You need to abide. If you will learn to abide, revival will follow you. You will become revival. Hear my heart. I have no problem with these encounter meetings. I have no problem with these revivals that happen. I love them. I celebrate them. I pray that God will do more of that in us and through us. But until I learn to abide, then I'm never going to see the fullness of what God has called for me. It is my responsibility. Hear this. It is my responsibility. It is your responsibility to abide in the place that he has prepared. He did the work. Through the cross, he opened up the gate or the door into the presence of God. He did the work, but it is my responsibility to pursue what he's done for me. The Bible talks about in the book of James, the fourth chapter, I believe it is, I believe it's even the eighth verse, that if we draw near to God, God draws near to us. So I want you to see this because it is God who pursued us. None of us by ourselves pursued God. You came into contact with God because he was pursuing you. But once I have met him, it is my responsibility to continue to draw near him, to continue to connect to him, to allow his spirit to reveal things to me. I'll use this as an example. I may wake up at a certain time of the, day, of the night or whenever and feel in my heart, I need to pray. Or maybe you've sensed like, you know what, I just need to get in the scripture. Or you've sensed, I need to have a season of fasting. That is God pursuing you and inviting you to go somewhere that he wants you to go, right? But it's your responsibility to yield to that. Are you seeing this? So God is pursuing us, but it's our responsibility to yield to his pursuit. And then we've got to stay there. Someone say stay. I don't know if you've ever been camping before. I know, Jim, you've been probably many times. You've got your camping badge. I sense that about you. <laughs> but, you know, I've noticed on a cold night, when you're sitting around the fire, it's awesome. You're warm. You're cozy. But as soon as you start backing away from that fire, you can even get three, four feet away from that fire, and you feel a temperature change. Now you get 10 feet away, 15 feet away, or however far your tent may be away from that fire, you really begin to notice a change. So the only way I can stay warm is to remain by the fire. Are you following that? What is the fire? It's his presence. The reason so, uh, a lot of people struggle in life is because they've backed away from the fire. Through the coronavirus, we've seen people back away from the fire. They're malfunctioning right now, and they don't know why. They're crying out to God, 
and there seems to be no response and they don't know why, it's because they've backed themselves away from the fire. They've backed themselves away from this thing that we call church, which is the body of Christ. And we have to understand this. We talked about it last week or a couple of weeks ago. You can't separate the vine from the church. I talk to people all, t- all the time that they've got a hunger and a passion to do something great for God. And you'll say, well, where do you go to church? I don't. I'm like, have you read your Bible? <laughs> what we do here is necessary. Being involved here is necessary. This communion of the believers coming together and worshiping together and, and receiving the word of God together is what keeps us close to that fire, to that presence. It is necessary. And then when I go out from here, I leave encouraged, I leave strengthened, and I've got what I need to continue abiding with him through the week. But the more you back away, the more you're going to see things dry up and get cold in your life. That's true. 100%. I've seen people do it before where they're thriving, they're seeing the favor of God, there's like a great momentum in their life, something happens that distracts them, they begin to back off, and as they back off, they malfunction because it's like taking the fish out of the water. You're still a fish, you're just in the wrong place. You want to see your purpose come alive? Abide in him and allow him to abide in you. Stay connected as a branch to the vine. Jesus is the vine. He's the head of the church. Are you, are you seeing that? The church is necessary, not optional. The final thing I'll say to you is this. You've got to prioritize your place in the vine. Turn to the person next to you and say, prioritize it. One thing that always jumps out to me anytime I read John the 15th chapter is that very first verse where Jesus says, I am the true vine. He doesn't just say, I'm the vine. He says, I am the true vine, which means there are other things that we as human beings will try to connect ourselves to, to receive nutrients we desire. There are things that we'll connect ourselves to because we just want some peace. There are things that we'll connect ourselves to because we want some joy. But the the thing is, with a false vine, it never has the true supply. There may be moments and pockets of what you're looking for, but that's not Lasting, Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the only one that you can remain connected to to receive the fullness of what you need. I love David in the book of Psalm. Psalm 27, 4, he says, the one thing, get this, the one thing that I have desired of the Lord, The one thing that I have asked God for in my life isn't a new home, isn't a new car, isn't a bigger castle. I mean, David's the king. He's got it all. He's got it all. He's got money. He's got wealth. He's got everything you can imagine. And he says, the one thing that I desire, the one thing that I see in a benefit in is this, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, and that is what I'm going to seek after. My desire, my desire is to be in his presence. 
That, that's my desire. That's, that's the place that I get life. That's my desire. And that is what I'm going to seek after. I'm going to prioritize that in my life. Because if I don't prioritize his presence in my life, I'll miss his presence. I've got to take time to make time. I've got to take time to make time. My dad always said to me, he said, son, the road of life is paved with good intentions. I intend to read the word. I intend to pray more. I intend to do that. Those are good intentions. But until I set aside a time and say, this is the moment that I will do this. And I keep it. I'll never have the time. I had a gym membership. Actually, at one time in my life, I had two gym memberships to two different gyms. I attended neither of them. <laughs> but I would, what I would do is I would say, I'm going to work out in the morning. And I'd wake up in the morning. And I'd be like, you know what? I'm a little tired. I just, I'm going to get ready, shower, go ahead and go to work. And so I would go to work, and I'd be like, yeah, I'll, work, I'll work out after work. After work, I'd be driving towards the gym, and I'd be like, you know what? I'll just, I'm tired after working. You know, maybe I'll just come back later tonight. It's 24-hour fitness. I can come anytime. <laughs> My intentions were good, but I never made it there. Like, for those of you who are trying to start, like, some form of study or meditation or prayer, it's going to happen when you actually say, this is the moment. I'm clearing and blocking off this amount of time, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to look at email. I'm not going to answer any text messages. I'm not going to do anything except for this. And you've got to learn how to remove the distractions. That's a key because distractions are everywhere. And if you don't remove the distractions, you'll fall to the distraction. Even with me, like times I, the one time I was doing a whole sermon on distractions. And as I'm preparing the sermon, I'm getting emails popping in and text messages. And I find myself checking the email and checking the text message. And I realize I'm getting distracted while I'm telling others not to be distracted. Distractions are real, man. What does Jesus tell us in Matthew? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Right? So he's saying your, your number one priority is to seek my kingdom, my way of doing things. Well, if your main priority in life, according to Jesus, is to seek his kingdom, then what do you think the main priority of the enemy is going to be? Distract you. Because in your distraction, he'll destroy you. We always think that like the devil's going to like, you know... <laughs> Drop an atomic bomb on our house. He doesn't have to do that. All he's got to do is distract you. If he can distract you, you'll destroy your marriage. If he can distract you, you'll destroy your life. You'll destroy your family. Death by distraction. Because life comes through my connection. So we've got to learn how to deal with these things and get like David. The, what, what do I desire? It's to be in the presence of God. What's my joy in life? coming into the house of God on a Sunday morning with other believers. This is what pumps me up. This is what I like. This is where life happens. I promise you that. 
I would rather be here with you than anywhere else doing anything else. That's true. Even like if I'm on vacation and I'm missing a Sunday, I don't like it. I don't like being out of church. And there's times I've found a church in the area where I'm vacationing and I go. I go by myself because I'm the only holy one in the house. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I, what I'm trying to stress to you is like, I love, I love the gift that God's given us. And the reason you read about so many miracles and signs and wonders through the book of Acts is because that's what they loved. That's what they prioritized was his presence and being with the body of believers. And because of that, God did many great and mighty works. So much so that Peter would walk down the road and his shadow would heal people. Think about that. He was so connected to the presence of God that his shadow, when it fell on people, would heal them. And I, I th thought about that, and I thought about that scripture where it says, those who abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now think about this. If I can learn to abide in the shadow of the Almighty, then the Almighty will be in my shadow. You want to see a city Change. You want to see a city saved. You want to see a mighty miracles and works when each and individual person in this place starts to abide and pursue God like they've never had before, to live in and dwell in and stay in and remain in his presence. And then when we all come together and what you've got connects with what I've got and what I've got connects with what you've got, that's when you'll see a mighty outpouring of God because we're hungry for his presence, not just at an encounter on a Sunday morning. In him I live, I move, I have my being. This is what matters. This is all that matters. Eternity's real. And when we step into eternity, I promise you, you'll see that the only thing that mattered was your connection to the vine and the fruit that you produce for his glory. It won't be the size of your bank account. It won't be the size of your home. It won't be the size of your business. Nothing wrong with those things. That won't matter. What will matter is, were you connected? Did you remain? And what did you produce? If you think it doesn't matter, Read for yourself the parable of the talents. I'll let you read that and study that on your own time. If you think that your productivity doesn't matter to God, it matters big time because that's how he receives glory. That others would see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. That they would see the fruit in your life and glorify your Father in heaven. It's not what you produce, it's what the Spirit of God produces through you because you're connected to the vine. I wanna pray for everyone who's watching online first. And my prayer is that you would get to this place where you abide and remain in the presence of God. That doesn't mean you, you quit life. 
That doesn't mean that you stop going to work. That means that you carry his presence into your life. You carry his presence into your work. There's an open flow and an open communication between you and the vine dresser. There's an open flow and a connection between you and the vine. And that flow that comes through you is his spirit that empowers you, that strengthens you, that encourages you, that brings about your purpose and your destiny. You want to know who you are? You'll find it within your connection. Father, we ask today that you would touch them, that you would move in their life. God, that you would produce inside of them and us a hunger and a desire to seek you on a completely new level. Lord, to come into that place of abiding, that place of remaining and staying connected to you. I in you and you in me. Father, touch them and help them. In Jesus' name, amen.